0: Try and, where it all possible, be at peace with all men. Bring peace. And sometimes you have to be the peacemaker. Sometimes you have to initiate things to get the ball rolling. Otherwise, you get the Mexican standoff, right? When nobody talks to one another. And that's so good. Anyway, it's a brand new year, and I'm really excited about this. I'd be speaking sideways if this is what's good. Oh, there we are. who knows which way's up now. So, this year, the new year, friends, I want to share this with you, is not about New Year's resolutions. Let me say that again. The new year is not capital letters about new year's resolutions, but it is about essentials. Essentials that you really need to succeed at in 2019. One of those essentials, you need to make it through the year in your relationship with God and to grow in is faith. And that's the subject of today's message. The Bible has a lot to say about faith. As Grant just read in the first verse there when you outline, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. Moving on to verse 6. So that's what it is. It's essential to your walk as a Christian. Without it, what does verse 6 say? Without faith... It is impossible to please God. And by the way, I just want to connect these two words. Faith and risk. They are connected. Friends, nothing pleases God more than when we trust him. Now I'm sure that every single person in this room who is a Christian, some of you are still deciding whether you want to become a Christian. But if you are a Christian, I'm sure most of you would say, I want to grow in my faith in 2019 because that pleases God. That's one thing I want to do. I can, that's essential to please God. But how does God develop? How does he grow your faith? How is it stretched? And the answer is by testing it. God grows your faith by testing it, by stretching it. James chapter 1, verse 3, the second verse that Grant read, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So that, so why is our faith tested? Why do I have to persevere? So that you may be mature. You've heard about mature Christians. Mature Christians have had their faith tested, stretched, Mature Christians don't bellyache when their faith is stretched. Now, in 2019, there's a big implication here. God will bring opportunities into your life this year for you to grow in faith by testing your faith. And these faith-building opportunities will present themselves regularly. Regularly. So that's the good news. The bad news is you may not recognise those opportunities as God-given opportunities to be mature and complete. So today, to help you recognise some of those opportunities when they come along through 2019, I want to talk about four key common areas where God will stretch you, where he will grow your faith. Here's the first one. God grows your faith. Through decisions. And I'm going to explain that. Through the decisions you're going to make. And he's going to ask you to make. In other words, God may ask you to do things that you do not understand. Doesn't make much sense to your natural mind. Has God ever asked you to do something that you didn't understand? Oh yeah, for sure. This is how it goes. Maybe you read a command in the Bible a particular command, and you go, whoa, that seems super challenging to the lifestyle that I'm living right now. It seems unreasonable compared to the way I'm doing life right now. But God asks you to do it, and when he does that, and you feel that tension, that is a testing of your faith. In that moment, you have to make a decision. When God says something, and it's kind of convicting, some people would say. Some people would say challenging. You have to make a decision. And the decision is, should I obey this in faith, even though it doesn't make sense to my natural mind, or it's against what I want to do, my flesh, and grow, or should I just ignore it, and shy away from it. Now, in the New Testament, there's about 1,050 direct commands in Scripture, in the New Testament alone, which show us how we should live. The Word of God instructs us how we should live. And to live faithful, faithful, full full of faith lives. Now, some of those commands... I don't know about you, sometimes seem inconvenient to me. When I read them, go, ooh. And they sometimes seem, that's impossible. But they're given for our good and our development. For instance, let me give you a couple of examples to to ground this. Here's a good command. Don't worry about anything. Is it easy to do? Mmm, bye no but it was with my father in the faith not long ago and he said to me this Ian, he Ian if I ever had my chance to live again he's 85 years old and boy he's done a great job he said I would worry less and pray more because the Bible says don't worry about anything but then what does it say but pray about everything there's a command are you going to obey it in faith even though you want to worry Your natural inclination is to worry, or you're going to get on and do what the Scriptures say. Don't. Stop. Stop worrying. Here's another one that I find particularly challenging. No matter what happens in your life, give thanks to God and rejoice. Oh, that is a hard one, right? Do you find that difficult? No matter what happens. See, we get so myopic and close down on what's here and now, we forget the big picture. And there's, there's another big one. There's a command in the Bible that says, when, and I blew that, this next one, this week. God says, when people are mean to you, respond with good. That is particularly difficult. Right? Return for good and for evil. That one is for sure not easy. I made a decision, it wasn't the best decision. How to do it again? Yeah, I changed that. But that's what it's talking about. Every command is a test of faith, an opportunity to grow if I make the right decision. Now, every time I read something in God's word, I have a choice. Like, who am I gonna listen to? Is it gonna be God? Who knows best? Or am I going to follow my natural inclinations, which most of the time I flat wrong. That's why we need to be renewed by the changing of our mind. Am I going to get revenge when that person stabs you on or pokes you on? Who will you trust, God or my gut? Trust in your gut is a terrible, unbiblical way to live our lives. Because the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it's death and destruction. So that's why we often have problems in our lives because we don't follow the commands of Christ; We follow our natural inclinations. Now a good example of this is the Israelites. When Moses freed them, or God used Moses to free them from Egypt, and they were going to the promised land, but here's the deal. They could have walked there in two weeks. But instead, it took them how long? 40 years. What the heck's going on? Two weeks to 40 years. I thought sometimes my kids are slow at doing stuff, but that's a long time. Pick it up in Deuteronomy 8.2. Remember how the Lord your God, who led you all the way in the desert, these 40 years, now notice this next part, to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether you would keep his commands there's a testing going on there god knows actually of course what is in the hearts of his children but his children don't always know what's in their own hearts or they don't want to look and know what's in their own hearts because they're concerned of what they may see see god there if you go back and read that in context he gave them seven specific tests And the Israelites failed all seven, hands down. And so God said, Okay, round the desert, lap one more time. I've been past the sand dune once before, you know, round and round you go. Now you may be in a desert now. You may be in an emotional desert. Not getting the support you need from people you think you should get it from. Maybe you're in a financial desert. The income streams have dried up or are threatening to dry up. Or maybe you're in a career desert and you don't know which way to go. There's many types of deserts. The point is this. Remember this. God is your supplier and if he turns off one tap, he'll open another one over here. It's him. Your employer is not your provider. God is your provider. He just happens to be using this employer this year and you may be using that one next year. He's your ultimate source of everything. Health, wealth, the whole lot. So God is testing your faith. And he wants you, and we're going to learn this from the same people here, to trust him on a daily basis. Not a monthly basis or a sporadic basis, but he wants good disciples, are daily disciples. Remember they, the, the Lord's Prayer, it's actually called a disciples' prayer, but it's, give us this day, Our daily bread not our weekly bread or monthly bread or yearly bread he wants this daily dependence upon him. Exodus 16. The people are to go out each day and gather manna. In that way I will test them. There's that word again. And see if they will follow my instructions. Now, we can learn to trust him as our Lord only by following. We can learn to obey by taking small steps towards obedience. Now, sometimes God may ask you to do something impossible. And you may say, God, why are you asking me to do this? And the reason is he wants to work in a way beyond you, a supernatural way. Noah is a good example of this. And the Bible says the Old Testament was given to us as an example of how God works. Now, Noah was asked to build an ark. Think about that for a moment. There'd never been a flood, ever. And he's asked to build this ginormous ark. That is a massive test of faith and commitment and daily devotion to something daily. Never been done before. Peter. Hop out of the boat, Peter. Nobody ever walked on water before apart from Jesus. Hop out of the boat, a first. And remember Jesus had to pull him up because his faith faltered. Faith faltered. Here's another one which directly speaks to me. God spoke to Abraham, who was in the middle of a very wealthy commercial city, doing a lot of good trade. And then son comes to him one day, and he says, I want you to leave all that. And I don't want you to go to a place I will show you. Now, that is a double whammy. It's one thing letting go of your business and your flocks and your shepherds, you know, your whole business network, everything gone. You could say, okay, I'll let go of that. God, where do you want me to go before I go? And he says, just get going and I'll tell you along the way. Woo, that's a whole new level. That's a double take. That's why Abraham is mentioned in Hebrews as a hero of faith. Here's my point faith and obedience always go together. That means as I read the Bible and I find a verse that I know is speaking to uh, God, is speaking to me through that verse, I need to make a decision at that point, and that's when my faith grows. Actually, God's promise to Abraham was quite astounding. Leave that, and I will make it of you a new country. What? That is mind blowing. You go back and read it. So, I can grow my faith in 2019 by deciding to obey immediately. Deciding to obey immediately. You know how that is as parents and children. Hebrews 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. That man demonstrated faith many times. Another obvious time is with his son Isaac. The point is this, I can develop my faith by obeying immediately. Abraham said, well, hang on a second. God, it's the last quarter. I need to finish off my deal here. I need to haul in the last part of the sales, milk the system for all it's worth, and then go. No, no, he said, I'll go. So this is the first test that will happen in 2019. Will you make the decision to follow God's direction this year, even if it seems unreasonable, untimely, you don't understand it, or it seems impossible? Because that's exactly what I am to all of those guys. And many more I could have gone into. So every time you do what God says, you benefit Abraham, Noah. Look at that. Paul, Peter, who else do I want to go to? Deuteronomy 5.29. Oh, that their hearts will be inclined to fear me and to keep all of my commands always. So, so if you keep the commands... What's the next part? So that it may go well with them and their children forever. There's a benefit to following God's commands. Now there's a second test. God tests, me, tests my faith, not only through the decisions I make, but God develops my faith through difficulties. Through difficulties. I'm talking here about problems and pressures and stress that God will use in your life. You see, normally our our reaction to that is, oh, I don't want to know that. Get me out of here. And our normal prayer is, God, help, help, help. And And we're crying. Get me out of this. This is too uncomfortable. And sometimes you'll find you won't. Actually, sometimes God will deliberately send you into a difficult circumstance. Here's a good one. Remember when Jesus was just finished teaching the crowd? And he said to the disciples, Oi, you 12, take that boat and I'll meet you at the other side. So who directed them? Jesus. Get in that boat and go the other side. Right? God's direction, clearly, right? What happens when they're halfway through the lake? Big storm. Ah, we're going to die. How long? Jesus sent them into a place where they were deliberately tested. And what does he say to them? O ye of little faith. God will sometimes send you into deliberately difficult situations to grow your faith. Now, God will use those situations in your life. Look at this, 1 Peter 6. I'm actually studying in preparation for a book study on 1 Peter this year I'm going to do in 1 Peter. This is one of the verses here at the moment. It says, at present you may be temporarily harassed. Now, notice, temporary tests will come and they will go. Temporarily, by all kinds. You might to circle that. All kinds of trials. Notice the next verse. This is no accident. It happens to prove your faith. So again, notice, there's plenty of variety in the trials. Anybody been through a few of those lately? Huh? Now the good news is this year, friends, I've got great news for you. Some of the problems you had last year, I'm not going to follow you into this year. But the bad news is, you're going to get a whole bunch of new problems that you've never ever seen before. And I want to go back to the good news. The good news is, there is no problem that comes into your life that your heavenly Father does not know about. Did Jesus know about what was going to happen to those disciples as he went across that lake? Of course he did. Of course he did. There is nothing because God is omniscient. He knows everything. There's no detail that escapes him. Oh, gee, I forgot about that. Better do something to fix that up. Now, do not misunderstand me. God does not cause all of your problems. He doesn't have to. You and I make enough messes of our own to bring our own problems into our lives. But they're there to prove your faith. Now, God's purpose for your life is always greater, remember this, than any problem in 2019. In fact, Isaiah 48 says this in verse 10, I have tested you in the furnace of suffering. I've tested you. Ever been near a really super hot place? Boy, very hot, the pressure's on, and it's all about to explode. When the heat is on, remember, friends, In 2019, this is a test. So, how does God want me to respond in the middle of these difficulties in 2019? Well, James tells us. James 1 2. Be happy when you are tested in all kinds of different ways. Know that such testing of your faith produces endurance. Now, how many of you love that verse? No takers? Okay. So what is God saying here? Is I can develop my faith by rejoicing continually. Not being a worrywart or a negative nulu. But by rejoicing continually. Why rejoice? Now let me be real clear here. Don't miss this. It is not over the event. You don't rejoice over the event. The happiness is over the second part of the verse. Because such testing produces endurance. And God wants his saints to endure. In fact, if you look at the book of Revelation, to every church it says, it says this for you, this again, but to him who overcomes and endures to the end. He wants his people to finish the race strong. Why in the world can I be happy when things are very challenging in my life? Because I know several things. Number one, God is in control. And he's working for my benefit. Because the Bible says, for all things work together for those who love God. Even Joseph. Remember Joseph? These are all examples. And are called according to his purposes. And secondly, God will use the situation in my life to build faith and character if I will trust him. And because of those reasons, I know I can be joyful in tough times. Not over the stress and the drama, but knowing that God has a much bigger picture and chill out. Don't be worried. Third, this is the third test that God, you're going to find in 2019. And that is this. God develops my faith and your faith through delays that come into your life and mine. Anybody familiar with this test? Waiting, 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 waiting. See, if every prayer was answered immediately and every need was met as soon as you had it and every problem was automatically solved, your faith would never grow and never be stretched. You'd actually be like a spoiled brat and God would be like a genie. And God doesn't work like that. It's important, a very important realisation to come to in life, to come to peace with, is this, God is never early, and God is never late, never. In fact, there's a beautiful verse in Ecclesiastes 3:11, and it says this, and it, it echoes this thought that He makes everything beautiful in His time. God's timing is perfect, and the problem is God's timetable doesn't always match your table timetable or my timetable. Ever notice that? Hmm. And the problem is we don't like delays. We're impatient by nature. By the way, that's one of the reasons. Well, one of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That's what he wants to develop. Patience. That's one of the key attributes that he wants to develop in your life as a mature Christian. If you're exhibiting love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the Holy Spirit is having his full way in your life. So... Of those, maybe in 2019, he's going to work on your patience. So don't resist that. Say, God uses to grow this in me. Now, impatience causes all kinds of problems. Notice this verse. Impatience, in Proverbs 19.2, will get you into trouble. And the fact is, a large part of our life is, is waiting for something to happen. Now, if you don't know how to wait patiently, you're going to get into trouble by making quick snap decisions and you won't grow in faith. For example, have you ever felt in a hurry when God wasn't? For example, when will I ever find employment again? When will I ever meet that right person? When will I ever have a baby? When will I ever get well? When will I ever stop hurting? The Bible's advice in Psalm 37, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. There is the word for Him. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Chill out. Relax. Maybe you're in God's waiting room. This is a faith building test. And use that time and experience to grow. Now you may want to write this down. I can develop my faith by waiting patiently. Waiting patiently. It pays to be patient. And while I'm waiting, God is working on me behind the scenes. And remember this, friends, a delay is not God's denial. And God will test your faith through delays. Now Jesus tells us what to do when our faith is tested. Luke 18.1. When your faith is tested, Jesus says they ought to pray and not to lose heart. I love that. To pray and not to lose heart. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. So don't give up, he's saying there. So God uses decisions and faith and difficulties and delays to test your faith. But there's one on the test. And for many of you, this is the greatest test of all. You're going to face it again and again in 2019. The fourth way God tests us is this. God will develop your faith through dollars. Right it in. God will use finances in our lives to teach us to trust him. He uses finances. And for many people, not for all, but for many, money is the greatest test of all. Now that's what Jesus says. If you have not been worthy, if, if, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, that's just flat out money and assets, who will trust you with the true riches? Now God says this, there's a direct relationship between how I manage, in other words not frivolously spending, how I manage the resources that God has put under my control, and how I use the money that God has put under my control, entrusted to me. They're entrusted to you for a little while. I and mean, then here's the secret you're going to give it all away, the whole lot, every last cent, to somebody you have never even met yet. You're just a manager, like me. I own nothing. I've got a few things I manage for a little while, they're not mine, but are the boss's. And he gets to direct where he wants those. So God says, How I handle my money is the acid test. In most people's lives and he's saying who's gonna be first money or me what he's saying is of all the fruit that i have given you to look after which i gave to you in the first place are you prepared to give me first fruits back to me again god encourages to give what god has already given you so god tests us not only decisions of faith and difficulties and delays, but with dollars. Now, I became a Christian very young, as did my wife. And um, let me be very honest to you: we have, when we have worked is it at university or wherever it may be, as Kimberly and his nursing, we have always taken the first fruits offering of whatever God has given us and said, "God, you've given us this harvest; here's the first fruits back to you." But let me be clear: we've gone through some very lean times. I remember there was one particular time when I was about 27 years old. I had $5 a week left after everything's been done. $5, that was it. But I'll tell you this. God has always, 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 always provided for our family's needs. So how much do you trust God? Now this is, I want to swing back to what Jesus said now. And Jesus is going to talk about this. In Luke chapter 2, uh, 12, 21, excuse me, verse 1, Jesus talks about this. He gives a lesson in generosity towards God. Towards God. This is Jesus speaking. And as he looked up, he's in the temple, he looks up. There's all these people milling around. you got the Pharisees over there, and you've got the women over there. And Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts. So they were giving. The rich were giving. That's fine. giving of their gifts into the temple treasury. That's what they were doing. He also, though, saw the poor widow put two very small copper coins. This is what they look like. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of those in museums. That's a widow's mite. That's literally what it is. Copper. Two very small copper coins. Verse 3. Next verse. I tell you the truth. This is Jesus after seeing this. The rich people and the poor widow. I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put in more than all of the others. All of these people, the rich guys, gave out of their wealth. But Jesus said, but she gave out of her poverty, putting all she had to live on. So Jesus admired the poor widow's generosity and her sacrificial giving. You can see that from that verse. Nothing to do with how much she gave. Nothing at all to do with that. But how much she had left after the giving. That's what he was pointing at to his disciples. He said, hey, you boys, notice this woman. She gave everything and trusted God to care for her. She modeled total commitment. She gave the pointers that Jesus was trying to point there sacrificially, whilst other people gave recreationally. The point of the Lord's comment was not to disparage the large givers, but it was to honor those who have but a small amount to offer. He honored that. While a widow gave less in terms of precious metal, she gave out of a need, not out of her surplus. And what the wealthy gave was impressive, but what she gave hurt. That's the reason why it's recorded in the scripture. So sacrifice requires trust in the Lord's provision. She trusted in the Lord's provision. And it can come only from a grateful and a growing heart. An ungrateful heart can't do that. It's impossible. And a shriveling heart can't do that. It's impossible. So in the kingdom of God, the value of the gift is not measured in terms of how much is given. But it is in terms of how much is left over and the heart of the giver. So Jesus wants his followers and his disciples to see this powerful lesson of total surrender. That's why he's telling the boys, hey, you boys, look at this woman. That's why it's written in the scriptures. Total surrender of self, this woman had. She had a total commitment to God. Right there it was. And there's a willingness to trust God. Huh? To be honest, when my mum used to sit about there, sometimes I'd go, Mum, what are you doing? In my view, she had faith that could move a mountain. Giving money away for her on the pension, and then I'm almost going, ha ah, ah, ah. But God blessed her, and she never lacked. What kind of giving does yours resemble? Recreational or intentional? So here as I wrap this up, I want to focus on this. As believers grow, we should in- consider increasing our giving to whatever, wherever you are. Whether that be talents, God's given you talents, are you using them increasingly more for the kingdom of God or is right now being used the talents that God's given you to to provide for your own family, but there's got to be more than that. God didn't give you those gifts and talents just to provide for your family. That is critically important. Please hear me. So giving your talents. The second part is giving your time. Do you increase the time that's available to the Lord in 2019 or money? Beyond the point of being merely convenient or comfortable. So giving not only tests your faith, here's the other part it tests. And I didn't write this, look at this. It tests your love. 2 Corinthians 8. See that you also excel in the grace of Giving. Now we love to quote the verse, grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, but here we're saying grow in the grace of giving. It's a gift, it's a blessing. Verse 8, I am not commanding you. Notice it's no heavy deal, but it's getting at the heart of the issue. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. That's a very convicting verse. So, giving proves the sincerity of my love. And 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8, Living Bible, this is the only way to prove that your love is real and goes beyond mere words. Now, let me be clear God doesn't need your money, He's got everything, He made everything. It's for your benefit, it helps you grow in faith. The last application point is this. I can develop my faith by giving generously. So every time I obey immediately, I rejoice continually in a problem, not for every problem, but in one. I wait patiently, and every time I give generously, I grow in my faith. And God wants you to grow in your life in 2019. Now, down to the application point. Of those four specific areas... Which is the one do you think that God's going to test your faith in? Maybe it's several of them. Maybe it's one or two of them. Is God going to test your faith through decisions? You know you know what you ought to be doing, but you keep putting it off. For example, to forgive somebody. A decision. God's asking, will you do that? How about to be baptized? You've known it's the right thing to do, but you've been putting it off. How about to take class 101 or 201 or find a church home? How about to offer the first fruits to God? Or to join a small group, or to lead one, or to get into a ministry? Friend, whatever the decision is that God has already spoken to you about, you know what it is. I urge you to not procrastinate and do it. I urge you. How about, secondly, is God testing your faith through difficulties and you're going through some tough times? Hang on there, hang in there. How's your attitude? I know it seems strange that you can begin through a a very tough situation and the natural inclination is to be, but Christians are built to be different because we have the spirit of God in us that gives us strength. Are you rejoicing continually? Not in the situation, but in the growing of your faith and in the big picture. Number three, is God testing your faith through a delay? You've been waiting for something to happen and it still hasn't happened. Friend, can I encourage you, don't waste your time in 2019 complaining and doubting and worrying keep praying worry about nothing pray about everything that's biblical it's a test and fourth and finally is god testing you through finances through dollars do you plan here's a question do you plan to excel also in the grace of giving most believers would not want to stop growing in faith knowledge or love that would be what no way I don't want to stop growing in faith or knowledge of the Lord or love, no way yet many have decided for whatever level to stay at a particular even maybe percentage and they've decided in their own heart but they stay there for all of their life why? just a thought true discipleship includes growing in in all of these areas in all of the resources so our giving should be expanded as well Now, God can give you the desire and enable you to increase your capacity to give. Don't miss that opportunity. And I want to pray in faith, a prayer of faith, as we start this year, 2019, and encourage you to join me in this prayer. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this gift of life that you've given us. Everybody in this room who knows you by name wants to grow in faith. And in faith, I want to this year start to obey you immediately. When you tell me to do something, or you give direction that doesn't make sense, but I know it's you, I pray you give me the desire and the will to do it immediately. Father, I want to start rejoicing continually in spite of my problems knowing that you have a plan and a purpose for my life. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will be, give me patience during the delays of my life this year, that it would grow and that somehow, Lord, that my patience would be winsome to those around me. And also, Lord, this year, I want to start giving my first fruits as a demonstration of my trust in you, and my love for you. Today, if you've never opened your life to Jesus Christ, why don't you do so today? Just say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but I do want to know you. I ask you to forgive me for my sin, and I ask you to put your love in my heart and make yourself real to me. In 2019, I want to follow you, and I want a relationship with you that grows In your precious and powerful name, I ask this. Amen.